What is good, everyone? This is the podcast. We're sharing the mic for hire, the Puerto Rican Pirate House himself, Christian Joel Ramos. And I'm back at it again with another brand new review. And today's review is none other than a review of the most recent AEW All Elite Wrestling pay-per-view, All Out. And I've been following AEW since its inception back in 2019 after All In, where uh, Tony Khan saw the Bucks and Cody and Hangman and Kenny Omega and signed them up for this new proposition, this new league that he was starting called All Elite Wrestling. And um, it's grown in the past year. I mean, COVID or not, luckily it survived the... uh, I want to call it the recession. Like, it is what it is, real talk. This is a recession we're dealing with. Whether they want to admit it or not, and they do or don't want to send money in because of it, or a lot of things are changing. No hotels or minimum hotels. Uh, bars haven't opened up yet. Uh, people are still wearing masks. I mean, you can go to movie theaters now, luckily. Helps me, the guy that reviews movies, right? Sheesh, about damn time. But no, here we're going to talk about wrestling. Good old wrestling. And as an avid fan, obviously, uh, uh, supermarket that I am, I saw the whole pay-per-view with my boys. And let me give you the gist of what occurred, shall we? So we start off with the buy-in. The buy-in is the free pay-per-view match they put on YouTube. Originally planned was the Big Swole and Dr. Britt Baker DMD uh, rivalry match where she comes out of her... Um, wheelchair and she's finally healed after months of getting hurt from that one botched uh, triple or four-way fit a four-way or triple match I forget what it was all I know is Nyla Rose's body weight landed on her leg wrong and she was out for almost a year but she stayed relevant because of promotions promos on on dynamite you know putting herself over building her character up where she's not focusing on her ring work like Big Swole is, she's focusing on her character work. And her character work is phenomenal. She's definitely one of the better heels in all of wrestling, male or female or, you know, whatever other other definitions you want to call yourselves. Um, Yeah, she's dope. And I'm glad that she's, like, picking up steam. Now, I don't want to say it's osmosis, but when your man is literally one of the best heels in the business, one of the best wrestlers in the business as well, I feel like she gets some of that from him, learning how to be a heel off him, because she had struggled at first being a heel. But now she's blossomed something, you know, some next level stuff right here. At this point, she is comfortable, and she has a Rebel Tania, who goes by Reba, because she cannot pronounce Rebel for some reason, as her backup stooge. So it's a nice pairing. So it was great to see that happen. Uh, but let's go with the first one, the Janela versus that's the start off from the beginning all right joey janela versus serpentico this is the match they put in the buy-in and i'm glad because i gave the this feud with big swell and Britt baker deserved to be in the main card because of all the build-up on dynamite these past few months so where this one was really really just a last minute put together match with serpentico who's been tagging with um um luther the, the death dealer as uh, chaos theory i like them as a tag team they actually fit well together they're so different yet there's something that makes them seem like they go well together he's the big dude it's like kind of like you know evil looking where serpentico is like a mind you know it's like that whole pairing of the the muscle and the mind like serpentico comes off very cerebral and this puerto rican wrestler with this very unique mask i've never seen a mask Besides Bandido, I don't think I've ever seen a mask this out there as far as, you know, from Luchador. I mean, granted, AAA and CML masks aside, because the Rolls Rover masks are some of the next level shit right there. I'm talking about, like, standard wrestling mask that looks unique. Like, Callisto's mask is very unique to too. Like, you, you can see and know which is Callisto's mask. Mysterio's mask, like... Uh, Cincara, you know, or Cinta de Oro, as it goes by now. All those masks have a certain... Aesthetic where if you see a shadow, you can tell the Ruchidor's mask. And uh, with um, Serpentico, the whole long, like almost serpent like, you know, neck thing, it just looks badass. And I'm also a huge fan of the streamers that he has. Yes, his little spider web things. <laughs> so Janela versus Serpentico was a pretty solid matchup. Nothing over the top, good spots here and there. And it ended uh, 1 2 3 with uh, Janela picking up the victory. 
in my predictions, I had uh, Janela winning this. Even though Serpentico's on the slow, after on a, being on a huge losing streak on Dark these past few months during COVID, uh, during the quarantine t- uh, days, because they were in uh, Georgia in the QT Marshall School. Oh, sorry, QT Marshall and Nightmare Factory, QT Marshalls and Cody Rhodes School, where they train, I think, a lot of the Dark wrestlers, which is actually pretty good. They had their own indie guys. And they built these indie guys up tremendously because they used them all so much on Dark. They gave them a lot of free um, footage for them to use to sell themselves. Like, I think, was it Pineapple Pete just ended his con- not contract, his, his stint uh, at AEW Dark. And because of that, it helped boost his name a little bit, definitely a lot, because he had some memorable uh, quick rivalries with Jericho and other wrestlers. And he stood out like a, you know, he stood out. So I'm, um, you know, salute to Shug uh, Dunkerton, who's probably in England right now getting a bunch of indie dates. If England's even open, he's probably just taking indie dates in the States for now so he can go back to the, uh, England. But um, just having that, like, AEW rub is going to help him. This is one thing I like about AEW. They don't technically need to sign all these indie wrestlers. They just showcase them so they can actually use them elsewhere in other promotions. So you're actually going to be able to take your... Uh, almost like building a resume or portfolio. Like, here's my portfolio work on YouTube. Look at all these matches. If you want to see, I was on a freaking network. Even though it's a YouTube, it's a networks, YouTube, network YouTube channel. So, you know, it's definitely something more than some uh, shoddy video off a cell phone or something off of, you know, your boy's cameras that it looks more professional. You got perfect lighting. You can definitely see how you look like on a bigger stage. Thus, building your resume up into getting bigger contracts so tony khan by just showcasing these indie guys he's helping them and girt gals get their names out there so they can get more indie bookings and again they were technically on tv because youtube as we know is modern television for multiple generations i know i was the first youtube generation but like legitimately like it is a honest place to put videos up of wrestling matches where you can be seen because if you guys don't forget nwa power before they shut down because of covid was on youtube it was not on network it was not on cable it was for free on youtube because youtube is the future of television essentially for younger demographics but also for people who don't want to pay for cable this match janela did a lot of the same old spots serpentico did his thing i don't need to get into the buying match so joey wins one point for me then we move on to the next buy-in match with Isaiah Cassidy and Marcus Quinn, Private Party versus Dark Order, number three and number four. That's John Silver and Alex Reynolds, who I thought was going to win this match. I really thought it was going to be a Dark Order because uh, there are many Dark Order matches on this pay-per-view. So I figured pretty much it'd be a sweep. After that TNT win, I figured they were going to be sweeping left and right, and that's exactly what I thought was going to happen, and I was wrong. Because as good as John and like Silver and uh, and Reynolds are, I mean they're really good. Their tag team tandem is some of the best I've seen, and they prove themselves to be um, on being the elite and as well as on Dynamite to be. They build these guys up like they start off literally as job guys, and then ended up in the Dark Order, and then were lackeys for the longest time. And then they brought in new flunkies. Well, you're nice to say that these guys are great wrestlers. In Preston Vance and. Alex Five Angels, so it's safe to Alan Angels, not Alex. Sorry, it's safe to say that now three and four are now got you know they're not top cheeses, but they definitely have more recognizable faces now. Considering also because we've never seen Preston or Angels without their mask, we I mean we know who they are from YouTube, but you know as far as we're concerned, they're like henchmen. They don't look whereas Silver and Reynolds have shown their faces from the get go. Um, so that was a great match. I really wanted uh, Dark Order to win this one, and they didn't. But of course, shout out to Private Party. I'm no hater. I love Private Party. I think they're on their way to becoming a solid tag team. But I've, as I've seen in many videos on the internet, they really could use a nice, solid indie run somewhere once everything's back to quote unquote normal. And um, Super Junior Tournament in Japan, something to get them less green. Because they're getting better with having Matt Hardy as their coach, kind of like Matt Hardy had a freebird Michael Hayes as him and Jeff's coach back when they were younger. They need to be more 
fine-tuned and how else can you fine-tune them if it's not with you know putting in your 10,000 hours as they say then so, you can do this shit in Japan with the tournament but with all the damn COVID cases rising and all the bullshit aside we know where things are going it's going to be a while before it can get there till gates open I mean now New Japan's got two divisions they got the the um, <laughs> the American side with all the people that live in America and the Japanese side with all the guys that are still in Japan it's a clusterfuck. It's just so messed up. So we don't know where things are heading. It's going to get ugly before it gets better. But hopefully soon or enough, soon enough, we see some sort of like, I don't want to say partnership, but yeah, why not? If NWA can survive by showcasing their wrestlers on AEW, why can't New Japan, you know, rekindle that love with Impact? Since a lot of the Impact guys are signed to New Japan as well, or even make a new relationship with AEW. Especially since some of your roster is stuck stateside, so why not have them working over there and other organizations building their name up on, I don't know, broadcast cable? Like, come on. This is an easy, this is an easy booking. It's like a win-win if AEW gets New Japan guys and New Japan's get American exposure. Come on now. Okay, so pretty much I finished the buy-in review, so I'm going to kick it into the main show review. But before we do, here's a message from our sponsors. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for the little break. So now let's get it started. Uh, the main show. Where the hell does the main show go? Uh, pretty much we got Big Swole and Dr. Britt Baker DMD with Rebel. And they're in a tooth and nail match. This match is pretty dope. It was a cinematic. So AEW's first cinematic match is actually also their first cinematic match with female talent so the lady wrestlers are you know the ones debuting a cinematic but it makes sense because Britt baker came back from a really big injury and you don't want to start her you know start her fresh with a wrestling match when she probably hasn't trained enough like even though she recovered she needs the time to like really build that uh muscle memory and stamina back where it was and all that stuff so the cinematic is a perfect safe way kind of like they did with undertaker who's beat up and old at this point no offense to the I mean, legend himself but he admits it himself in his docuseries that he can't do half things he used to be able to because of injury so when someone comes back from injury even when triple h came back with a double quad uh double quad surgery you got to take it easy at first until they you know ease on it back to 100 you don't just go from zero to 100 like that come on dr Brittany basura baker and um big soul so pretty much they're having this match feud the final nail in the coffin and big souls and Britt baker's uh dentist practice and she finds blood and trails all over the rooms kind of like making it look like a butcher house or something and rebels like the secretary and not only is she the damn uh, personal assistant she's also the secretary of the of the dentist office okay like she got multiple jobs also the makeup lady come on she's making money and part-time wrestling too apparently right <laughs> so we got big swollen Britt baker great match it was definitely fun and um at points it got real crazy with a freaking power drill and other shit like they got real like world star in this shit and i loved it because big soul with her energy her acting ability it's there like she got that swag she got that genesis wow whatever you want to call it she just oozes charisma and Britt baker just the perfect heel that the women's division could use right now a cerebral heel who definitely uses underhanded you know, almost like a female MJF, but I don't want to just compare it to her to the guy wrestlers. But if there's somebody in the men's division that she's very similar to, it's definitely MJF and how good she is at being a bad girl. Because she's the cute girl that, you know, can play mean girl easy, even though she's a sweetheart in real life. She's got that boss bitch vibes when she's has to turn it on, like with a snap of her fingers and you can see it in her eyes. Like, spice it up a little bit and really build. And this feud was great. That was... You know, people getting tossed in the trash bear and bins. I mean, trash uh, dumpster. What the hell is that shit called? The dumpster. The dumpsters in the back. There we go. And um, Rebel getting some shots in and also getting getting a couple lickings with the with the dentist tray. And it ended with, um, towards the end of using all the Novocaine. Oh, yeah. Britt Baker had a spot where she was in a Novocaine numb uh, Big Swole. But Big Swole got, got it. To, like, it went in her direction. So she kind of just punctured herself and she numbed her leg and allowing Big Soul to put the anesthesia on her and knock her out via anesthesia with uh, one, two, three. 
and Big Soul wins this. Granted, at first I had Big Soul winning this. After watching other podcasters, I put that uh, Britt Baker was going to win this. And I've come to the conclusion, i got to stop listening to other people's damn opinions. That's their opinions. Follow my gut. So I would have gotten a point for this because I thought for real Big Soul was going to have, especially how the payoff in Dynamite last week was, where she got pizza faced and kicked, you know, super kicked after um, with um, that double team with Rebel and, and um, Baker. So her comeuppance are coming, but it was home field advantage. So sorry if I didn't like thought too hard about, hey, this is the dentist's office. This is Britt Baker's like literal like second home or third home from home because she's a wrestler and a dentist. So my bad, guys. I fucked up on that one. Sorry. <laughs> That's one prediction I wish I could have taken back, but, you know, there are no mistakes. And I owned up to it, okay? I didn't. I could easily have said, oh, yeah, uh, I got a perfect score. No, I could have easily... No, there's no one here to check me, so I got to be honest. Next matchup was the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson, against Jurassic Express of Jungle Boy, consisting of Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, um, no Marco stunt. Marco is still hurt bad from that squash match on Dark against Jake Hager. Who the hell even wanted to book that shit? Like that's a Jim Cornette booking right there, just to like, <laughs> just to, just to throw you know more dirt on Marco stunt's name. That that match is brutal, and Marco got hurt real bad. Please do not put little people against killers. It just makes no sense until Marco gains a few more pounds. Like the height doesn't bother me. Because there's a guy on Shima's team, uh, tag team, that's just the same height. If he just had some more weight on him, like he just built up weight, that would actually be, you know, better, beneficial to him. It's more meat for padding. Like he's a very skinny, scrawny guy. And he's got to start hitting the gym and taking it seriously. I mean, I love Marco Stunt. He's entertaining. But if you expect to take more bumps from big men like that, you got to start lifting the weights, boy. You got to go in the gym and get swole. You got to do something. I'm not saying you got to get steroid jack. I'm just saying look like you actually hit the gym. That's all I'm asking. So, you know, height advantage or not, you can still grow, you know, outwards. So that was a fun match with the Jurassic Express and, you know, Young Bucks. It was a typical Young Bucks match, except they came in more raw, less show-offy, and more, like, pissed off because they really wanted to be in a title match against Kenny Omega and Adam Page. And it was almost like the Bucks were, like, um, brooding teams. Like, they just... It wasn't heel tactics, per se, but they were definitely acting some, or feeling some type of way. But in the end, they got their head back in the game, you know, after so many spots, so many spots. Uh, the uh, Jurassic Express got their finisher in and, you know, near fault to near fault. And, of course, you know, they try to get the BT trigger and that didn't work out. And they did it again. So I'm glad they're using more moves than just their standard melted drivers and, you know, more bang for your buck. The BTE trigger is awesome because now with Kenny's... Oh, wait, this is a spoiler. I can't jump it forward. But with Kenny's slow heel turn, as you're seeing on Dynamite, it's nice to see that there's actually growth in these heels. Like, these heel turns aren't overnight. They're actually slow burns, like actual character development stories. So now with the BTE trigger, it's one of their, like, close to setups or finishers. It kind of shows that they're kind of turning more cleaner-like like Kenny is. And they would make sense to group now because you wouldn't want to be them to be a trio if they're not in the same, you know, baby face heel. They got to be in the same side. That's all I'm saying. So so the next matchup, what do we got here? Let's see. Next match, we have the Casino Battle Royale. Now, I'm going to just be honest. The original Casino Battle Royale was not my cup of tea. It was not... I don't like the fact that they had five guys in the ring come out at once. Like, what was that about? So, you don't get entrances. So, if there are surprise wrestlers popping up, they don't get their own little entrance. So, they'll be like, oh, it's such and such from such and such. You know, like, it's good to know that they're getting their own spots and entrances. So, this way, they changed it up and got rid of that five-man entry. They're all still coming out in suits. So, it's four. It's almost like a four-man Royal Rumble, like, one after another. And, you know, the, all the groups come out. And I don't have to say them all. It's just, it's it's a big-ass, you know, oh, my gosh. Who's in the, let, let me look at it. All right. I can't seem to find the current list of the 2020, but I'll just name off the guys that I do know. 
um, that were there. You had guys like Darby Allen, uh, Santana Ortiz, Jake Hager, the Murderhawk Monster, Lance uh, Archer, Brian Cage, Ricky Starks, so Team Taz was in it, Pentagon, not Pentagon Jr. Now he's going by Penta El Zero M. Because you know, licensing with AAA and AW, they want he wants to own his own intellectual property. And Ray Phoenix copyrighted Ray Phoenix, so there's that. Because of course, the Pentagon name is lineage and owned by AAA Lucha Libre. So, Penta M Zero, man, it's even hard for me to say unless I see it on paper. Yeah, so it's just Penta. And um, Phoenix was in the matchup too. You had guys like. Ricky Starks, I said that already. Butcher Blade, Sean Spears, who just chilled the ring uh, at the announcer's table for the majority of the Battle Royale because he was playing the uh, uh, cowardly slick heel that didn't do shit. Um, you got guys like uh, Billy Gunn, Awesome Gunn. Um, you had uh, Sonny Kiss. Will Hobbs from AW Dark. Um, I'm glad to see him on a freaking pay-per-view. Like, this guy was on pay-per-view before he was on Dynamite, so I hope they actually that means they signed him because Will's a big dude. They could use a guy like that on the roster. And green or not, they can definitely build around him, make him like a Wardlow type until he gets a little better. Um, you also like, uh, you know, Trent and Chuck in this thing. Uh, gosh, who did I miss? The um, So many damn people. Uh, I can't even think straight. Oh, yeah, we had the debut of one Matt Seidel, formerly known as Evan Bourne on WWE. Matt Seidel of Impact and ROH fame. He's AEW. He is all in, in AEW. And I'm hyped. I was hella lit. Like, that was dope right there. Seeing Matt Seidel. But the thing is, in his debut, he was doing his infamous shooting star press. But because the humidity in Jacksonville was so fucking hot, like hot and humid, the, everything was mad sweaty. Like the wrestlers look glistened. Like even the audience was out of it because of how hot and humid it was. 94 degrees of humidity. That shit must have been disgusting. I don't care if it's nighttime. It's uncomfortable. So they were there putting up with that heat. And he slipped on the damn turnbuckle and landed right in his face. Luckily, he didn't hurt himself. And don't get me started on the Darby Allen spot. That shit was gruesome. I mean, it, irresponsible on everyone's part. But Darby's a crazy son of a bitch. He belongs on Jackass, not AEW. This guy does no fucking fear. He's just out to just hurt himself for everyone's uh, uh, amazement or what would be bewilderment or shock value. But Darby's got to slow the fuck down. This guy wants a long career. He's got to slow down enough with these crazy ass bumps. We get it. You're hardcore. You're a badass. Just slow down a little bit, kid. You got plenty of years to do more crazy like this. Just take it easy. You got plenty of time ahead of you. <laughs> And um, the winner of this all was uh, Archer. I mean, him and Brian Cage were going back at it. Everyone kept getting eliminated one by one. And um, it came down to Eddie Kingston being protected by Butcher because Eddie Kingston used the guys, Butcher Blade and the Lucha Bros, to build this like new faction they got of heels. So Butcher helped him. Also, uh, Blade was helping to keep um, Kingston in so he could go for the title shot. But no, Archer's too monstrous. He's too beasty, so he kind of took everybody out. And he is now your new number one contender for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. So we're going to see Lance Archer, the Murderhawk Monster, rematch against John Moxley. If it's even half as good as their te Texas death match they had in New Japan, it's going to be a classic. So I cannot wait to see this, which will probably be happening in full gear, which is uh, due in November. I mean, not so Glover at some spots. I mean, Ricky Stark got some revenge at Darby Allen, like, he put him in a body bag full of thumbtacks, and with the help of Brian Cage, they threw him out. And I hope he didn't get hit in the head because the doctors were close to him after he got thrown out because he might have hit his head in the stairs. I mean, there were a lot of bad bumps in this, but you know what? This show was badly set up for the weather they were dealing with. 94% humidity, um, very steamy outdoors. They got the AOK -okay to start doing indoors, but Tony Khan's playing it safe because of COVID. I don't blame him. But for an event like this, I think, I mean, granted, I would have probably gone to the same boat. I would have done the same thing. Like, hey, we're outdoors, you know, social distancing or not. It's outdoors versus being indoors. But they needed the AC because it was too hot to do some of these spots. And especially with a battle royale, you can easily get hurt getting tossed out by slipping on something and cracking your head on something, God forbid. And that's what leads us to our next match.
Matt Hardy, not broken Matt Hardy, just regular old Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara, the Spanish God. And what is there to say? Well, there's this to say. Um, it was a fucking shit show. Um, I'm sorry to say I'm a huge AEW fan. I was a fan from the get-go. This was a shit show. It started and ended as abruptly as it happened. Sure to have a callback with Sammy with the golf cart chasing Matt into the, you know, to the stadium. They go on this weird, like, rumble, you know, rumbly back and forth on this scissor, cherry picker type uh, lift. And there's two gimmick tables side by side, set up perfectly, right? You think it's going to go well. And within one horrible spot, Matt Hardy's head hits the fucking concrete. I went ghost white like he did. My heart dropped. Everything went silent for a second. You can just feel the atmosphere die. And I'm not going to dramatize this shit. This is literally how it felt. It felt like a spot gone way wrong and went too real. They went from making this fake fight looking real, looking legitimate. And I know Sammy was playing it off and trying to keep going. And but Aubrey Edwards threw the X up. And this is the most controversial part of the whole damn pay-per-view. The cannibal was the mood killer for their pay-per-view. And... um. You know, I don't want to get into it. You guys will hear this on. My personal opinion is Doc Samson, if that's his name, should have just stopped it right then and there. It, it There's no way to make this look not pretty. I mean, they kept going and it kind of eased like my fear that he was hurt, but he was hurt. And um, it's scary when you see something like that happen, like a botch. I don't like seeing botches as it is, let alone botches that could be near, you know, God forbid fatal or life altering and concussions are not a fucking joke and this shit is legit like these are people with livelihoods and I really hope that everyone comes out winning at this I don't I mean I've heard that Tony Khan follow up with him in the hospital and it came out good so the CT test came out good but it's gonna be a while before we see Matt in the ring he might need to take a hiatus and I think it's best for him anyways because he has nothing going for him storyline wise like he, yes, he finished, he climbed the rafters and tossed Sam Guevara off, you know, but it took me out of the match. At that point, it's like, I'm sorry, you couldn't salvage that. The show must go on until someone gets hurt. I'm sorry, just not for me. And I wanted to see this match so badly and see what they could do, but they had to rush the finish because <laughs> Matt was in and out of it, man. It was so bad, and I really hope he recovers well. I hope that everyone... I hope no one, nobody blames anybody. I hope that everyone takes responsibility for this and learns from this and we can help prevent things like this. It was because there was a little less slack. It probably had to do with the physics and geometry of the setup. If the table was a little bit more further out, he would have landed perfectly dead center. But he skidded, and there's two tables, so Hardy skidded. I, I think they should have gone with a simple... Uh, you know, Irinagi. Something that, you know, you take a person in, or even like a damn... Uh, just a hug off, just fall off naturally. But the f way that it was falling, they were falling forward. That shit was scary. Like, this is going to go bad. And it was. So that's my opinion. Um, Jesus, I, I, I came and continue. So we got five matches left. Bear with me um, as I go through these. Um, so for now, we're going to take a little commercial break, and I'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. So where did we leave off? So essentially, we left off at the end of the Matt Hardy-Sammy Guevara um, match, quote-unquote match. And um, we move on to the Hikaru Shida versus Thunder Rosa, NWA Women's Champion versus the AEW Women's Champion. What a great match. This went longer than expected for sure because of what previously happened with Sammy Guevara and Matt Hardy. But wow, wasn't this like the show stealer? Like this was definitely the match worth talking about because Thunder Rosa is a great technical, and you know she does great high spots. But she's very strong at her technique, having a judo background, having jujitsu background, being an MMA fighter as well as a pro wrestler. She came in there for good technicality, and she even impressed Jr., who's not all that impressed with a lot of women's matches on the AEW, sad to say, and I understand because they don't have much to work with. It's like half your roster is in Asia and Europe and elsewhere, and your other half is hurt, so you're really working with a handful of girls. It's just, you know, bad circumstances, but we lived in such a global world before the pandemic that 
it never was an issue. But now that we have to think about this in the future, they're going to have to hire a lot more domestic women just in case anything else does happen, that they have enough backup to work with. And I know it's kind of hard in this uh, wrestling economy because most of the good wrestlers are an impact in WWE and as well as NWA, but maybe the partnership in WWE will allow some of those ladies to go on TV and get their exposure and also, you know, and, you know, help each other out. So we shall see where it goes from here. But Hikaru Shida and the Rosa did such an amazing job. And I was so happy for them because they've earned this. The buildup was just three weeks, but it was worth it. They made it seem like a big fight, big fight feel. And it was so good. Going back and forth, doing moves and kicking out of finish or finishers and setups. And it was like something really worth watching. In the end, of course, the AEW's women's champion came out victorious. And she was emotionally like happy because she got one of the best matches of her life. And you could see it in her face because she was like, this match was so amazing. And she like she was also overwhelmed when the streamers came out because there haven't been streamers in Japan because of the COVID, you know, with people's germs in their hands. But So they had streamers. I'm pretty sure it was personnel that threw the streamers out for her. And she was, like, almost taken aback. So she was emotional the whole time, you know, nerves and all that. And um, even the post-match interview, she was speechless. And she was embarrassed by it. But don't be embarrassed, you know. If things happen, it's just when you're caught in the moment of, like, the main event show, like, Sheeta just oozes stardom. Like, she is my champ like i love her it's like she definitely proved that she deserves to be the champion and even from her debut when rio when she beat her for the uh, women's championship i knew Sheeta was the future of the uh aw women's division because she's like prime you know prime of her life age-wise and just all around has all the star power and she's you know slowly learning the english so her mic skills will get better with time just give her time. No one's going to learn, you know, overnight a whole damn language. But she's been kicking ass trying to learn it and picked it up real quick. So we shall see where it goes from here and how much her career is going to be amazing looking back at it in the future. So this matchup, what a great line. I mean, I can't air it. So I never rated any of the matches, have I? All right. So Joey Janelle and Sopretto had a simple 3.5 average match. Everything I expected. It was okay. And um, they both look great, but it wasn't anything spectacular. It was a match you would see on Dynamite, just being honest here. And it was good for these guys to be in the buy-in to, you know, keep their names uh, in the circle so they can grow as the brand grows throughout the future years. And then we got Big Swim and Britt Baker, uh, 4.0. It was a four-star match. I liked it. Enjoyed it. It was very fun. And he told a lot of story and finally closed a chapter in both their lives so they can move on from this rivalry. And then we got Lance Archer in the Battle Royale. Fucking 4.5. This is awesome. I loved all the spots they had, all the setups. The surprise uh, debut of Matt Sidon AEW. Mind you, I was expecting... Uh, Alright, so I lost the point for this one. Most people had Lance Archer winning. That is what the regular average viewer would have had because he's such a monster character and trying to build him to be this monster character right i had to be determined as one of the people the uh to you know the debuting person i thought it was be miro i really thought aiden english and miro were going to come out and do their whole you know roost of day but not really and miro's going in there and take na- you know take names and kick ass but apparently he never showed up so he is not on the brand just yet you never say never, but it wasn't his debut. But Lance Archer was definitely my second pick for sure. You could say all things considering all variables. Um, for the Hikaru Shida versus Thunder Rosa, I definitely had Hikaru Shida winning. Only because this is the main brand that you're promoting. You're not going to have an outside champion defeat your main champion on the first debut match on pay-per-view. No, thank you. I mean, maybe that, maybe down the line I can see her winning it. And that'd be great. I'd love to see them Thunder Rose on AW. She more than earns that spot and deserves to be there. So there's that. And now we move on to the Dark Order versus the Nightmare Family Cousins, as people call them, the Nightmare Family Affiliates. You know, Matt Cardona, formerly known as Zack Ryder, Woo Woo Woo, Scorpio Sky, who's uh, technically um, Cody's brother-in-law because he's blood relatives of Brandy. And we got 
the natural nightmares consisting of Dustin Rhodes, Cody's older brother, and QT Marshall, uh, Cody's training partner. And so it's very much, you know, if Ali and Brandy and, you know, as the rah-rah, you know, cheerleaders, also managers. Um, and they went against the um, Doc Ulta, consisting of the AEW TNT champion, Mr. Brody Lee, Boom Boom Colcabana, Evil Uno, and Stu Grayson with Anna Jay as their manager. This was a typical eight-man tag, great setup, and you also had the whole thing with Colt Cabana fucking up in the end. <laughs> it was perfectly set up for him to pin, but no, he had to show off and do a damn moonsault and miss Dust getting defeated by Dustin. And this building a feud in the future where on the next episode on Dynamite on TNT, Mr. Birdley has to defend a belt against Dustin Rhodes. So with that being said, this is a decent wrestling match. I'm not a big fan of eight-man matches. I mean, I'm not even a big fan of these 10-man, 12-man. That's OD as hell. Like, why is there a need to show? Like, I know you got a big roster, and you only got one night of TV a week. But definitely the second show has got to come soon because your roster is getting very big. And you cannot just show them all at once. I mean, how many battle royales are you going to need in order to show everybody? It's, it's, a, it's a lot of guys you've got. And I hope they hold off on signing more people because they got enough players as it is. So, and you know, on one hand, I did want someone like Miro to show up on the Battle Royale. But on the other hand, it, this is a, definitely uh, showcases that they got too many people on their roster. And, you know, with the, um, I again, I lost a point for this. I really thought the Dark Order were going to clean house with all of them. Like everybody in Dark Order, especially with Brody Lee coming out of a giant win like this. But, of course, he didn't eat the pin. Cole Cabana did. And he got a lashing from Co uh, from Brody. So that was definitely uh, some dissension for Cole Cabana not being a right fit for the Dark Order. He never was officially Dark Order, but he, he finally gets Dark Order gear, or inspired gear. And this is when he tries to show off and backfires. So, safe to say, this was a solid wrestling match. 3.5. Nothing spectacular. I mean, Mr. Brody Lee is Mr. Brody Lee. Dustin Rhodes, the legend, you know, like these guys definitely showed out. Everyone else did their part. There wasn't much to talk about here. It was a good story building match with, um, oh, Anna Jay trying to like slap Scorpio Sky from behind again, but then Brandon big booting her and getting her friends in the Queen's Lair. So, you know, it's nice to see that they're building this rivalry with Sarah Jay and Brandy some more and also continue the storyline for next Wednesday's show. So there's actually more to work with. So hopefully this is, you know, fleshed out more and we see where Coco Bandit's feature lands. Next up, we got the AEW Men's Tag Team Championship. FTR, Fear the Revelation, versus the team of Adam Hangman Page and the cleaner, Kenny Omega. What a effing match. This is a pretty solid matchup, guys. I'm not going to front. It was definitely what I expected. Very, you know, one-sided at points because these two uh, FTR, they're just some of the best tag teams. They really are top-level tag team. And it took me some convincing over the years, but they really show that they're actually this, this phenomenal. Like, they're not the most flippy, flashy wrestlers, but they're the most solid and most uh, chemistry-built. I mean, these guys are like lifelong best friends turned into pro wrestlers. They know each other like the back of their hand. Like, they're a perfect pair. A couple of bulldogs from North Carolina coming to the scene and wreck house at AEW. Especially when you got a legend like the Four Horsemen of Tully Blanchard behind your back as your manager. Oh, come on now. I cannot wait for this Four Horsemen revival they're going to do. <clears throat> if they even call it that, because I know they want to, you know, live, they don't live in the shadows of the legends, but they want to create their own thing. But we shall see what happens. Maybe they're not the Four Horsemen. Maybe they are the Revelation, which is the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. But, you know. The revelation is bigger scenario than just the four horsemen. But you know what I'm saying. So, this match was awesome. I give it 4.5 stars. Very well worth it. These guys are just, you know, showing what they can do. And in the end, with um, Adam Page and Kenny Omega, like, just not getting along very well, it was very adamant that these guys were going to lose the belt. And I knew they were going to lose the belt. And your new AEW World Tag Team Champions are now FTR. Top guys. Hands down, these guys are top guys. And a 4.5 match is nothing to sneeze at. It was very solid. It wasn't the five-star spectacle of the Young Bucks versus 
Adam Page and Kenny Omega at, you know, at Revolution this past February, but it was definitely something worth watching. Story-wise story building, so it definitely gave us some... I mean, Kenny didn't completely turn heel, but it, he gave hints that he might, and I foresee him this Wednesday turning heel on Dynamite. I'm making that claim right here, right now. Next up, Orange Cassidy versus the Demo God, El Champion, Chris Jericho. So yeah, this was the finale, the rubber match, one would say, of the freshly squeezed one himself, Orange Cassidy, and Le Champion, Chris Jericho, in a Mimosa Mayhem match. A match that Jericho invented while watching Home Alone, because this was some seriously some bullshit setup they had. It worked. Somehow it worked. They had a bubbly station on each side and a kiddie pool full of what looked like tank. Not quite orange juice, but looked like tank. So they're trying to, it's like a whole mimosa thing. A lot of back and forth. A lot of offense from the beginning. Orange Cassidy did not do his his shtick. He went right full throttle, and Jericho saw that and gave him a code breaker to start. You start this on 100, and it's just like back and forth. It was very solid fighting. There's a lot of, uh, of course, you're fighting around the fact you don't want to get thrown into a vat or a pool of uh, mimosas. So they're over here fighting for dear life, almost like a fight scene in a, a final fight scene in a movie uh, with the main protagonist against the main villain. It was definitely something worth seeing. It was a spectacle, and it was a great match, better than I expected it would be. And Orange Cassidy, in the end, was able to, you know, Superman punch or orange punch Jericho on the ropes into the pool. And he didn't look somewhat any more happier to be. I've never seen Jericho so happy to be tossed in a pool because of this fucking heat and humidity that was happening. Now imagine just being an audience member in 94 degree weather with humidity. That shit must suck. And then to be a performer in an athletic, athletic event, quote unquote, athletic event, stunt event. That is a lot. And also it's just setting the wrestlers up for botches and that's exactly what it led to essentially because they should have just done this indoors this is my personal opinion because weather like this it's dangerous now we have evidence it's almost like a super showdown there was a shitload of botches there too because of the heat humidity it really does affect the performers because they're so focused on staying hydrated and not burning out and blowing up while performing live on pay-per-view i bet jericho and his mom was like uh, shoot, I lose this match and get cool to cool off in a pool right away. Bet. <laughs> so he was more than happy to fall in this pool and cool off. This is the life. I get paid to chill right here. It pays to be the goat. You know how it is. Like, you're hot as shit. You're just there sweating your ass off. And just like, oh, this feels awesome. And it was definitely, this is an awesome moment. And with 25% crowd capacity, it made a big difference from the 10% crowd capacity. And thus... You actually get to see like how this crowd actually is affecting the sonically, even though they weren't a live live crowd because the humidity killed it. And moments like these, they were really you know getting more awake for this. So I'm glad to see that you know they put on quite a match, and it was a spectacle match, but it was a fun spectacle match. It wasn't a botch fest like other matches before, and it wasn't cheesy. I mean, it kind of was cheesy, but the good kind of cheese, and it made sense. It's like here's a wrestling match, right? There's champagne bottles on either side. You want there's your weapons, um, but also you got to deal with the fact that there's pools of orange juice you don't want to accidentally trip into. And there were a couple parts where you thought they're gonna fall in back, you know, by accident because of you know the again slippery sweaty ropes all night. You never know what could occur. And yeah, so this ends it this damn trilogy, and hopefully Jericho moves on from this, and hopefully Orange Cassidy like now is the main eventer. It's kind of crazy to think a guy that was a joke. Wasn't even signed. It's not the most over guy in AEW. And, and you know what? The merch money talks. He sells t-shirts. What can you say? So now, the main event for the for Big Platinum, the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. John Moxley versus MJF. It was cool. You know, it was your standard uh, finale of, you know, this whole build like they actually had time to build this matchup and i'm glad they had the time to properly take this seriously and there was dissension with wardlow again and and, and uh mjf because again moxley cannot use his finisher move that was the whole thing moxley is unable to use his finisher so 
he's there trying to think of ways to take him out. But the whole time MJF is working his arm because MJF is definitely one of those that heals that he works on a body part and tears it down limb, you know, piece by piece, bit by bit until you can't use it. So he couldn't do his gotch, you know, pile driver correctly enough to get force and grip. He couldn't do uh, his uh, rear naked show because he had one bad arm. So what could he do to win this? That DDT, that damn uh, paradigm shift. He wants to do it, but it's kind of hard to do it when it's outlawed next to that contract he signed. So when the ref wasn't looking, Wordlow tossed the diamond, AW diamond ring at MJF. MJF fumbled it. Of course, he blamed Wordlow for it. And this is where Moxley had a moment, looked at him, grabbed him when the ref wasn't looking, and gave him the paradigm shift for the win. The whole match was very bloody, and it had a lot of build, and it actually made me feel for MJF. This guy's supposed to be a heel, but I actually was like almost rooting for him towards the end of this because he went through all this effort to like dismantle the quote-unquote dictator John and take him off his high horse, like take him off take off the big dog and be the... And actually, I was ready for it. I was ready for MJF, like, reign. Because Randy Orton was 24 when he won his first World Heavyweight Championship. So why can't MJF? Um, well, maybe it's not here. Maybe it's at, it can't be a full gear. Because full gear will be Lance Archer. It'll probably be at either Double or Nothing or next year. No, that's in May. It'll probably be a Revolution. That would make sense. You can crown a Revolution and MJF could be World Championship then. But this made me believe in the character like he definitely grew over the last year or so and he was a young kid i'm like oh this guy's a great heel a great shit talker but he's not exactly at that caliber yet but guess what he's getting there wrestling with these you know quote-unquote uh, stars and feature legends you tend to learn a lot from uh, all these great matches and he hasn't had a loss yet until now and he finally has his first loss and now we're gonna see the dissension of wardlow and mjf we're gonna see the Kevin Nash versus Mike Shawn Michaels feud. So I'm happy to see where this is going to go. And I want to see how Wardlow in the singles. This is a big dude they got on the roster. We're talking about a guy that's built like a linebacker that can move like a damn uh, wide receiver. This guy is big, agile, athletic, great look, you know, good looking young star they can definitely build with. And him and MJF feuding would definitely help both of them. But also, I hope that this whole time Wardlow's been training since his debut match against Cody back in Atlanta, that cage match, because he's had almost a year to get better in the ring. And hopefully, uh, QT Marshall School, he's been training there because they were all stationed there during the quarantine. So they used the facilities to the max before they went into the Daly's place in Jacksonville. So Wardlow's a big dude. This motherfucker is huge. So let's see where they take this big dude and put him. Like him, Will Hobbs, um... Uh, they got a lot of big guys now. Before, the, the, the big thing was, oh, all elites, all petite. But no, now they got a bunch of big guys that can compete. So enough of this bullshit talk that all of your wrestling is just a bunch of the vanilla midgets. Now you got some Diesel guys, like, stepping up. And Jack Diesel, I ain't talking like, these guys are definitely contenders. And I can't wait to see where this roster looks like a year from now. I mean, MJF's loss against Moxley wasn't detrimental to the character. It definitely ended a good chapter and made him look like a star. And also made Moxie look like a star too. Um, taking advantage of this young upstart, you know, making him seem like you got a way to go, kid. Almost like the old vet, you know, accepting like, hey, you got heart, but at the same time, you got a ways to go before you're in my shoes. So, and the cool thing about this match was after on Twitter with uh, Renee Paquette, as formerly known as Renee Young, chimed in on this match of her husband and mjf and um even though she're not 90 days she got a complete clause it's probably longer than that but she's already tweeting at the aw roster so who's to see where this whole thing ends up in the future are we going to see renee paquette on aw as uh mrs moxley or she's just you know supporting her husband right now and that's it because we did see cedric alexander uh, on twitter also support big soul his wife so in promoting their match. So of course with the WWE universe you can't promote other wrestling organizations outside. But with a lot of the drama happening behind the scenes, I foresee a lot of guys getting cut loose. So why not just not give a fuck? <laughs> you know, and just say, hey, you know what? At this point at this point we're gonna do fire me. Like it's probably better I'm better off getting fired at this point and finding work elsewhere. 
because there's other alternatives, not just AW. Um, Impact and other smaller promotions that could use people. I mean, there's wrestling is in a better place now than it's been in a few years. Pandemic or not, it's definitely growing, and there are a lot of places people can build their names. Ring of Honor as well. Can't forget about them. They're starting soon in a couple weeks. MLW as well. And, you know, wrestling as a whole is like, without chiming in too much on news, it's, there's a change of the guard. And WWE is not the only big name out there. And it's nice to see that there are options for men and women to finally get their money's worth for putting their bodies in the line. And, you know, they must deserve it like any other profession. You know, you're, you need you need something. If you're not getting health insurance, you should really get enough compensation to afford health, your health insurance bills on your own, whether it's outside sources like Twitch, a cameo, or you know conventions. Because right now, there's no damn health show money from any, for anybody. The indies, just the indies. That's all we got. And WWE is super against the indies, but they expect the wrestlers to survive off their money they make and not do anything with Twitch or cameo. That's another topic for another day. But you know, it's great to see that. Companies like AEW and Impact allow the wrestlers to make other revenue streams because if not, you better give these people proper uh, retirement funds and also compensation as far as like pay rates, but also health insurance. Because even guys like the government have started to notice like, hey, this is almost like legalized slavery. These people are putting their bodies in the line. But also AEW isn't for other criticisms. Their honeymoon phase is officially over once Matt Hardy's head hit that damn cement. This is no damn joke. I do not take this lightly. His wife was furious. The internet was on fire. This is the number one topic now today, a couple days later. And I'm still worried to see what's going to happen. For, I don't even care about Dynamite right now. I care about Matt's health. This is like, for real, this is shoot like scary. Like I never want to see something like this ever again. Enough with the crazy ass over the top stipulations and focus on in-ring wrestling for a while. Tone it down, please because they keep trying to one-up each other every damn episode. And listen, if the wrestling itself isn't keeping the audience engaged, then maybe that says more about the wrestling than it does about the industry. you got to make it wrestling as interesting as all the stipulation matches. I watch the show for the wrestling, not for the crazy over-the-top stuff. Yes, that stuff gets eyes and viewers and interest, but at the same time, story building can do so much. Look at shows like NW Power. Limited resources smaller studio space and they're able to engage you with their storytelling and their creative on how they do things and sad to say they're not up and running the same way they were running uh, before covid but that's it it is what it is and places like impact keep reviving themselves every so often they're like a phoenix that keep dying and coming back up you know there's other ways to get attention and sometimes the glitz and glamour of crazy spots and other stuff wears off after a while and you got to focus on what really matters the storytelling, and the selling. That's just my opinion. This has been my AEW All Out 2020 review. As always, thank you all for listening to this long-winded ass review with a lot of other things tied in between. And um, I am the podcast mercenary, the Puerto Rican powerhouse, Christian Joel Ramos, signing off. As always, thank you for tuning in. Stay safe and um, be nice to one another. We're all dealing with this pandemic differently. So let's show some compassion, some unity, and just... Be grateful we have something to watch during this pandemic. Take care.